G'day, this is Mark Pesci, and welcome to This Week in Startups Australia. In our final episode for Series 4 and 2016, we talked to She Starts Managing Director Nicola Hazel about what it takes to get an amazing ecosystem of female founders up and running. Then we review some of the recent directions on this podcast, and I can promise you a few surprises as we go out with a bang on This Week in Startups Australia. This Week in Startups Australia is proudly sponsored by Braintree, the easy all-in-one payment solution for your app or website. Diversity in tech has proven to be a big problem. It affects every part of the tech industry, from education to recruiting to promotion through entrepreneurship and investment. Now, Twista has made a point of highlighting the problem, but we're just a podcast, and there's only so much that a podcast can do in the world. What we need are folks who will answer the call to arms and work to fix this. We have one of those folks with us in the studio today. Nicola Hazel is the head of diversity and impact at Blue Chili and the director of their recently launched She Starts program. Nicola, welcome to This Week in Startups Australia. Thanks for having me, Mark. Okay, so let's just start off. How did our karma end us up here? How did we end up in a world that is so, unlike pretty much everything else, male-dominated? And just not diverse. I think in many ways this is reflective of society. I don't know that it isn't a reflection of everything else around it. The tech startup space is dealing with some chronic issues around lack of diversity, Mm. but it's not the first place to experience this. In many industries, we've seen really strong male domination in industries. So banking a generation ago. Exactly. Right. The legal fraternity for years. Um, Even look at the mining sector. What we've seen in the mining industry and the resources boom at a time when that was leading our economy was we'd watch men growing through the ranks of this industry, yeah. working in those roles, and then retrospectively government saying, oh, goodness me, here we have the strength and power of this industry in the hands of men. How are we going to get more women in hard hats? The issue with the tech space is that we're seeing this here in startup land as well, mm. but we don't have to wait until we have to do a retrospective tech version of women in hard hats, we can actually do something about it now because this is still an embryonic part of our economy. Okay. Agreed. Although technology has been thought of as a male-dominated space for, you know, and there's been a lot of analysis around did this happen in the 1980s with the personal computer and all of this because my auntie was a computer programmer for NASA in the 1960s. So there's no grand tradition about it being only men doing this, right? And so... Some of it's around the fact that we entered with this male-dominated world and a world that was white, Anglo. You know, it's all of these... In a city. Yeah, exactly. All of these tick boxes. And we now go, wait a minute, that's not good for the industry because it's not good for the products. It's not good for anyone. But when I was working in technology in San Francisco 20 years ago, right, men would be sort of, you know, starting companies and running them, but the PR firms would be women. So there was the role, right? And those roles, I guess, almost got ossified. This 
kind of lends to that whole discussion about what are female stereotypical female roles. So even when you look at the current case studies of major tech companies, where they increase their numbers of women across the board, you find there are pockets of spikes in HR and marketing and communications and PR. Right. The roles that the touchy roles. But yeah, the soft skill roles yeah. that society has said have been made for women with their relationship skills and their communication skills for years. And the more hardline roles, the roles in tech technology and engineering, those STEM-based skills are the ones where women have not been dominant and certainly haven't even been prevalent. So what we're starting to see is how do we change that across the board? If we do have large tech companies, so companies like Atlassian that are looking at how do we not just increase the number of women in our company, because if they're all in HR, then actually we're decreasing diversity in the company, in that team. But how do we increase it across the board? And that's the sort of thing that they're looking at with their head of diversity in in San Francisco. But then if you look at startups, how do we build companies from the bottom up that have female leadership embedded in them? And that's what really excites me. Okay, so you came came on board to Blue Chili six months ago as head of diversity and impact. Do you want to sort of unroll what that means? Well, it's a pretty amazing role to come into and it was one that we really created based on, well, what are the things that we can do to make a difference in the startup economy? Mm -hmm. So I had a background working in media, in politics, and for the last five and a half years in the not-for-profit sector around how we drive policy change, campaign change, Mm -hmm. how we implement... campaigns that would allow us to see shifts in government investment, in government policy and in cultural thinking around particular issues in the not-for-profit space. And so I was doing a lot of work with the Foundation for Young Australians at the time around the innovation economy and these drivers of the future of work and what were the policy shifts that were going to dominate the way our economy would look in the future. Mm -hmm. Things like automation, the the increasing role of technology, globalisation and what that means for work, the collaborative economy and what that means and what became very evident to me was that the skills required and the jobs that were growing in this part of our economy were ones where women were not prevalent Mm -hmm. and where we saw a real shift in the last 18 months from a government and a corporate sector perspective around let's flick the switch from resources to innovation let's become a technology driven economy we were also therefore standing on a cliff looking at the potential of building a brilliant whiz-bang economy where women were absolutely missing in action. And that was the conversation that led me to the opportunity to work with Blue Chili um, on their diversity and inclusion uh, work, but more specifically, the opportunity to create She Starts as a particular piece in time, if you like, a piece of work that we could drive working right across the ecosystem and collaborating with other organisations who had a real interest in celebrating, championing, and working very tangibly to address the lack of women in the tech and startup space. All right. But it sounds like part of the approach was that diversity has to begin at home, that you actually have to take a look at your own practices. And when you did that at Blue Chili, were you surprised? Did you find things that maybe you had to think about differently? We, we recently had uh, Cyan Teed on the show, and she talked about the fact that she basically just talked to all of the women in the business and said, what's, we know that you like it here, but what's, 
what do we need to change to make this environment work for people who have different backgrounds? And she got really good feedback. Did you engage in a sort of similar listening mission? For me, it was all about listening, that initial phase of listening internally within the company Mm -hmm. and within startups, but also across the ecosystem and within the community. So coming into into the startup ecosystem and to the people who have been working, you know, there are incredible individuals who've been working to drive female entrepreneurship and Mm -hmm. female leadership, organizations like Springboard, scale heads over heels the inspiring groups that are really trying to drive more girls in tech drinking wine they're like-minded bitches drinking wine yes Yes. all of these organizations (laughs) that are really trying to create support networks and 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 i guess opportunities as well for women to see themselves in this space so listening and seeing what was working and what was drawing people in was a really important thing but also having a look at where the women who were in our portfolio at Blue Chili mm. were driving startups, what had what was really making it work for them? And so I, I'm from Queensland and I, in our Brisbane portfolio, where we have a program that we launched with the Chamber of Commerce and Industry in Queensland the end of last year, mm-hmm. we have 50% of those startups that came in through that program have female founders or co-founders. Well, the last two entrepreneurs from Queensland we interviewed on this show are both women from... Queensland so yeah absolutely and so it was really interesting to go okay well why is it let's unpack that why is it that there are a higher number or percentage of those founders who are coming into the portfolio who are women than across the broader portfolio at Blue Chili where it's around 20 30 percent um so what we found when I spent that time talking to them about what was working was the fact that the way the program or the opportunity was marketed to them wasn't, are you a tech startup founder? Do you want to come into an accelerator? Do you want to get investment and launch your tech business? That wasn't the story that was put out there. The story that was offered to the community in Queensland was, do you have a great idea Mm. for a business that would solve problems for other small businesses? And that was the challenge that was put forward because of the partnership with CCIQ. Now, as a result, we've got a number of those startups that are in the portfolio, which are creative tech. Mm -hmm. So tech startups that are working in the creative industries and the founders, the women who are working on those projects are people who would never have described themselves as an entrepreneur or a tech startup or have those tech skills, but they saw that there was an opportunity for a solution they'd created to a problem and how they could take that using technology and enable it to become a scalable, high-growth, high-potential business. So the framing is really key here then. You've got to design for diversity. That's mm-hmm. been the key outtake for me of this entire process. Is It's not just about saying we're going to do something for women, nor is it just about putting a sign on the door that says women, women are welcome, change your logo to pink and serve cupcakes. That is not pink the washing, answer. Pink right. <laughs> right? Right. It actually is about understanding how you design inclusively. And so there are really simple things that you can do. And I've learned amazing simple options that people have been taking right across the ecosystem. You know, at Blackbird, Samantha Wong there has been looking at how they get more females pitching Mm. into Blackbird Mm. and how they prepare to take on more females into their portfolio. And it's simple things like making sure your website isn't just a blanket of photography of males. The simplest things that make a difference. And when I think about how that has informed the way we've designed She Starts, Mm -hmm. but also how we approach all of our work at Blue Chili as a result, it is about understanding that you cannot present one picture and expect that everyone is going to see themselves in it. You have to have a diverse picture as well. 
You're listening to This Week in Startups Australia. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Mark Pesci with a few words about Twista Series Sponsors Braintree, code for easy online payments. Entrepreneurs around the world have used Braintree as a simple way to accept PayPal and credit cards and debit cards and whatever is coming next. With a single, scalable integration, you get robust fraud protection on over 130 currencies around the world, making your global expansion a snap. And using Braintree, that's as easy as integrating a few lines of code, getting your business up and running fast. To learn more, visit braintreepayments.com slash twista. We're back with Nicola Hazel. Okay, so let's come now to She Starts. So you've done all of this listening. You've listened very carefully about framing, and you're now making me wonder whether it shouldn't be this week in starting a great business rather than this week in startups, because something around that framing is maybe acting as a barrier to diversity. And so that's part of so, so how does She Starts, what is She Starts, and how does it try to accomplish its goals? At its core, She Starts is a program to find, fund, and accelerate 10 new female-led startups out of Australia. But in order to find those startups, before we then fund them, and we've raised a million dollars in pre-seed capital for 10 startups to each get $100,000, mm-hmm. that runway to get started, which is really rare for mm-hmm. early stage. We are investing in ideas here. But finding them first, that was the key element. So you've got to take it step by step. So she starts, when we launched Applications Open on the 4th of October, right. we didn't just put out a press release and get it up on Startup Daily and Startup Smart and ensure that the entrepreneurial community was aware of it. We really took this message to women all across Australia. And, and how did you do that? Through media engagement, okay. a lot of general media. So we were in The Australian, we had pieces on uh, The Guardian, we had pieces in Women's Agenda. We were engaging with women where they were and mm-hmm. how they were. Okay. but. As well as that, it was actually how we marketed the story and the opportunity to them. So we worked with the team from the Story Boxes, which is a, an impact film studio, who'll be working with us on the actual documentary web series for She Starts as well. Oh, so you're going to maybe... Okay. So this is a whole cross-media project going on <laughs> That's here. That's right. Okay. And so we worked with them and we said, if we're going to launch this program as an opportunity for women to apply for, how right. do we ensure that anyone who lands on that She Starts website will find themselves there. Mm. We'll see the potential for them to actually think, well, this could be me. And so in under 60 seconds, we created a very short film that showcased real women, Mm -hmm. real entrepreneurs Mm -hmm. of very diverse backgrounds, cultural backgrounds, different ages, um, women who are experiencing many different things in their lives, working in different environments, women with kids, women without kids, really wanting to showcase a diverse picture of what it means to be a tech startup founder to anyone who doesn't even know what a tech startup founder is. Because frankly, it can be anyone. We really believe that anyone can become the founder of a great tech company with the right partners, the right ideas, the determination and that passion. You can make that possible. And the beauty of the model at Blue Chili, which we're driving through She Starts, is that idea that you can be non-technical and start a tech startup. Um, And if you do have that support to access that tech support, you can build the products you need, but also build a great company and be a great CEO. Okay, so you opened up on the 4th and it closed... Midnight last night. So, which is October the 31st, because we're recording this on the 1st of November. So that's four weeks. And how'd you do? 
Well, we're still counting the final numbers, but what we do know is we've already got more than double what we would ordinarily get for a program like this. So when we've put out programs in the past, we have got more than double what we would have on a program that's usually open to men and women. And this is just for female-led startups. And some of that's probably because you were reaching out through all of these other channels, right? That you're actually making the message you're bringing the message to the people who need to hear it, not to the people who are going to hear it anyway. Precisely. It's about saying this is an opportunity that is open to anyone mm-hmm. and trying to find those, I guess, unusual suspects, the people who could create incredible companies, but you won't find them in exactly the same place right. that you'll find the ones you'd expect. Well, the again, having talked to a couple of folks through SBE, None of these folks sort of have normal stories around them. They all they've all come to their own startups through very weird so it's I mean, often they're at a coal face, they find a problem, they're like, Oh my god, I know how to fix this problem and it's gonna make a billion dollars or something. And then someone says to them, Oh, by the way, you started a tech startup and they say, What? Right. It's the accidental entrepreneur, yeah. the accidental startup founder. And often their domain knowledge, their passion yeah. for that problem that they want to fix, that drives incredible results. Yeah. Well, this is the, this is certainly what I've seen out of them. Now, what are these? Okay, so you're going to go through this process. You'll be making an announcement some point later this month. I take it with the final. Or, or so we're selecting the final twenty that will go into a rapid validation boot camp right. that we run at the end of this month. And from that, they go through that to pressure test the ideas and the founders coach them in how to pitch Mm. and then the first week of December they pitch to the judges it's two days of closed door judging before we have a massive showcase event and announce the final 10 okay wow okay so that's it so it's it's really going to help take even the 10 that don't get in are probably going to get a lot of coaching on how to make their idea better around that and once that happens and they've gone through the boot camp and, and you've selected the final 10, do you, are you going to be scaffolding them and providing them with the support that they're going to need? Because, I mean, seriously, if, if they're really just pitching a really good idea and they don't have any of the other resources, how do you bring them into being good startups? So that's where all the fun begins. That's the hard work, right? <laughs> right. So from January, they will actually come into the She Starts Accelerator program, mm-hmm. which is our accelerator program at Blue Chili, basically on steroids. Mm-hmm. So they will be working through the curriculum of our accelerator over the, the six months from January through to June. They'll have their startup advisors working with them every week. Mm-hmm. We've brought together an incredible group of people on the advisory group who are working as mentors and supporters throughout the program. And because She Starts is supported by leading corporates, by ANZ, MYOB, Sun Super, and supported by UTS as the education partner, right. we've got access to this incredible assets within those corporates, companies that have got incredible wealth of knowledge, um, access to ideas for piloting things, for distributing, and they're playing a role right throughout that program as well. And then on top of that, the founders work with, they have access to Blue Chili's tech team to build that first piece of tech, that product that allows them to launch into the market. And throughout that whole process, leading up to June, when we then go on a trip to Silicon Valley to understand that aha moment of, oh, that's what a global tech company looks like. All that process we follow through uh, with a documentary web series with weekly webisodes to tell the story of women in tech and change the face of the startup economy. So part of it is not just that you're doing this for these 10 women, but that you're going to be adding new words to the conversation around how we frame this. And I think, you know, 
part of what I learned from talking to Topaz Conway and the folks who've been through SBA Australia, she talks about a sisterhood of mentorship and that everyone who passes through the program joins that. And it was, you don't hear men talking this way. I just want to be very clear about this, right? I mean, men can have their bromances and everything, but you don't really hear that language being used. And maybe it's because men don't have, have never needed that language because it's always just the club of men. Um, do you think that you'll be able to build the long term around she starts because this is just the first of what I assume is going to be a continuing program of them. Do you think you're going to be able to build that into a sustainable uh, set of mentors so that the women can be teaching each other? When you think about the experience of women who are building a startup, two of our female founders recently actually said it's a lot like having a newborn. And mm. when you're going through a process of, of, of experiencing the joys and challenges of having a newborn, the people who are around you, who support you, who give you ideas, who give you their own experience and are there through the highs and lows, when you're building a startup, the people who are around you going through that with you, they become that community. Yeah. So She Starts is allowing people to go through that as part of that community, that environment. And it's also that whole piece of how others come in and support others. We have found with the advisory group, We've got incredible female entrepreneurs, people like Nicole Kirsch, Rebecca Campbell, um, people who are currently going through the startup journey very early stage as well. People like Alice Brennan from Settle In, who went through Tech Fugees just 12 months ago. Oh, wow. And Michaela Jade, who's running a tech startup from Kakadu. Um, okay. These are people who are also advisors and supporters who are able to give that, oh, I just went through that six <laughs> months ago. Let me tell you what I did, you know, which Here's is the so scar. valuable. Yeah, Here's that's the scar. Right. Don't do this. Yeah. Don't do this. This. So All right. that community is a huge part of it. Final note, it's just come out in the news today, and I just want to run this past you. Apparently, there is a group uh, setting up an exclusive to men co-working space in Brisbane right now called Nomadic Thinkers. What what are they thinking? I mean, is this is this something we're going to see as a reaction to the fact that tech is actually taking on diversity that we're going to see people driving away from it because of that? I don't know about this particular case. And, you know, it, maybe it's all a big hoax. It, maybe it's just a thought Could bubble. Be. I hope but so. But that aside, what we do know is whenever we make progress as society, mm. whenever we start to raise up and highlight the challenges that are faced by individuals in our community, and when we start to see progress made on equality across many different elements of diversity, you get backlash. You know, what, we, what we're seeing in the United States right now, right. what we're seeing in the United States right now where you move forward, there's going to be some pullback. Um, when you see um, women in leadership at political levels, yeah. we also see some anarchy come out. People saying, "Oh, but I'm losing, I'm losing my manhood." Right. Um, you know. So I think whenever society starts these conversations, there will be dissenters. There will be people who maybe have some crazy hairbrand and, ideas and, and atavists. I mean, that, that's really what it is. All right, Nicola, thank you very much for being on this week in Startups Australia. My pleasure. Hi, this is Mark, and I'm inviting you to come and take a look at our Tumblr. It's at twistartupsaus.tumblr.com. 
We're going to put up some of the information about She Starts that Nicola has provided us with, so you'll be able to find out, in fact, who the first 20 qualifying candidates of She Starts were and how they're going to go through that program because that program is now up and running and it's going to start to show some amazing results. Now, there's lots more on the Tumblr, also the previous podcasts, photos of our guests, everything that we collect to help you be a better startup entrepreneur. So look for it at twistartupsaus.tumblr.com. just want to start off with a few statistics. This is things that crossed my path today. And I got a report that said that Apple, which filed a report with the U.S. federal government, said that its latest diversity numbers show that 73 of its top 107 executives are white males, just 20 of them are females, and 15 of those, I believe, are white females. So we already get a sense that the most valuable company in the world is maybe not representative of, in fact, the people they're selling their product to. Now, last night I was watching a show on ABC that was basically the story of Half Brick, which is a gaming company that's located up in Brisbane. And we were a half an hour into that program before I saw the first, and it was an extremely quick shot, but the first shot of a woman employee. And I actually went a little bit mad on Twitter about this. And in fact, the CMO has now engaged me in conversation. He says, well, actually, we're up to 20% women. I actually immediately came back and said, well, how many of those are actually, you know, doing coding and engineering? Because quite often they sort of hand wave away the fact that the marketing, which is the soft thing, is the thing that ends up getting staff with all the women and HR. And He's responded, I'm not quite sure whether I haven't been a little bit hand-waved, but I'm also quite sure that he's aware that maybe there's a problem. And this is where I see the conversation starting to change. It's something that I have been thinking about a lot. And in this segment, we're really going to explore it because the thing that I've seen over my lifetime, and I've been in this field for 35 years, is I've seen companies go from nearly equal levels of male-female participation in computer science-related jobs to something that is more or less male-dominated. Now, the pendulum is swinging back. It's not going to swing back on its own. That brings me to a little story that happened just about a year ago, and I was invited to be one of the 150 elect at Policy Hack, which was when Wyatt Roy was in government, this idea to get all these tech folks together and give them some hard problems to solve and maybe come up with some great policy ideas that would come out of it, and I was part of the winning team because I very cynically crafted an idea that I knew would travel well on the six o'clock news because I knew we were dealing with policy people. But the interesting thing came later, and I was downstairs at the bar with all of the other policy hackers, and Nicole Williamson sat down next to me. Now, Nicole Williamson is a very active member of the Australian tech startup community. She's a founding member of Tech Sydney, co-founder of TechFugees, which we will probably have on the next series, and also mentor to a whole bunch of Australian startups. So I know Nicole, I respect Nicole. She sits down beside me, we're having this conversation and she says, Mark, you know, I've been listening to your show. I really like your show. Did you know that you only have, what was the number, Nicole? I think I actually said between 18 or 20% of the of your participants or your interview subjects? I think subjects. it was 19%. 19%, yeah. So that I had been running the show, this is sort of toward the end of series three, toward the end of last year, and that only 19% of the guests that I'd had on the show were women. And I didn't, 
I, I don't know if I blushed at the time. I don't know how I reacted. I do know that it hit me hard. Yeah, well, that's it's interesting. Um, your reaction was not a defensive reaction. You may you may have been blushing, but blushing inside. I, I felt quite nervous right. um, coming up to you because I, I had literally gone through and counted because yeah. it was it was it, I was going I was doing a lot of numbers at that stage, in, tuned into. Uh, um, women in the media, et cetera, and, and on things like your show. And I did it. I was quite nervous, actually, because I, I didn't know how you'd react. And um, uh, you were you were not defensive at all, actually. You may you you paused and you thought about it, um, but you you weren't defensive. At, and that that um, really filled me with some hope, actually, at the time, which was good. So that led to some interesting soul searching. And I have to say that in... We've been doing this show since around August of 2014 was when Jason Calacanis came to me. And so we've, this is the fourth series because series one was very short. Series two was short-ish. But in April of last year and April of this year, I had for some reason, even though we're only barely into the series, these crises of why am I doing this? What am I doing here? Last year... I made the decision to start to make the show quite different from Jason's show and that I would have themes. And I would get shows and build shows around themes and that that would be my capacity to be able to tell stories and bring people together. This year, I was like, okay, I've got that going. That's all right. But, and then I got a really evil, grinchy idea. And it's the moment now when I get to tell all of you dear listeners what that idea is because you have been the subjects of that evil idea and you know if you take a look at the shows running through Mick Lubanskis which was episode 9 and here we are at episode 18 which is really episode 19 because we have a episode 0 uh, you know there's a mix of men and women it's probably not quite 50-50 but it was certainly getting close and it was making an effort and at that point with the exception of hearing from me the only guests who have been on this show have been women and I didn't make a thing about it, uh, it because the point wasn't to make a thing about it. The point was just to simply do it and let the quality of these women. And I am deeply convinced that the second half of this year, Series 4, has been the best shows we've done because the thing that I discovered was pound for pound, women entrepreneurs who are always fighting against the current tend to be better at what they're doing than men are. That, to me... Nicole, it's not, this wasn't a ploy. I mean, and I'm hoping no one in the audience is feeling cheated. No one in the audience has tweeted. So as far <laughs> as I can tell, no one in the audience noticed. It wasn't a ploy so much as just a way of being able to reframe this. Right? You know, I mean, it's not, um, I mean, I felt good because I felt like I was keeping a secret, but the good kind of secret. This is everyone's Christmas surprise now. <laughs> but it it was more around the fact that you didn't have to change anything other than your intention. And that as long as you did that, then everything else would fall into place. It's really interesting that you should say that because I was reflecting on this year and and some of the good things have ha happened. Um, and it... it I think about someone like Mike Nichols, who um, became the entrepreneur in residence at Incubate, mm. University of Sydney. Oh, yes, of course. And he decided he would 
it, you know, we needled him a bit about a few about women over a year or so, and he decided he was going to make a concerted effort to to see that women were young women in particular were well represented in the the, the batch of, at mm. Incubate. So he just said, I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. And he aggressively reached out mm. to every woman he knew in, in the ecosystem and asked us to spread the word too. And he had a majority of female entrepreneurs in his program. It really just, it's, a, it's an attitude change. Um, and I, I, you know, I, I think about the, pol- the the policies related to women that came out of Policy Hack. Mm. In the end, really, there wasn't a ton of great s- stuff specifically ca- targeting women. And I, I really think it's added. It's an attitude change of leaders in our community mm-hmm. who say, "I'm going to do that." And mm. Murray at Fishburners mm. is a guy who did that probably 18 months ago. He said. I made it one of my priorities, one of my personal KPIs. And so he's attracted more, he started by attracting um, more female entrepreneurs into fish burners, but also has ultimately reconfigured the board. So there's a, I think there's a female chair now, there's equal if not more women on the board. So it's just a mindset change. It says, oh yeah, I just need to, I need to consider this all the time. Um, and it's, it's, it's noticeable the difference. Um, again, one more one, that, which I love, which is the Blue Chili Guys starting She Starts. Well, and of course, Nic- yeah. Nicole Hazel is yeah. the first half of this show. So yes, yes, fantastic. Um, so again, it's 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 an attitude change. It's uh, it just says, oh yeah, I've been I I've, I'm I'm I consider myself a, a guy who has. Um, you know, has been blind to this in the past, but now um, I'm going to make a conscious effort for a while um, to change, to be part of uh, part of a change. And look, look what happens when you do. It's fantastic. You're listening to this week in Startups Australia. We'll be right back. <laughs> Hi, this is Mark Pesci. We're at the end of Series 4, and this is just the time when we start to cast our eyes ahead to Series 5. That means that we're looking for advertisers. So if you'd like to reach thousands of entrepreneurs and investors throughout Australia's startup community, this week in Startups Australia is exactly the place you want to put your ad. If you're interested, please contact me at mpesce at gmail.com. Thank you. And we're back talking to Nicole Williamson, but at this point, I also want to bring in a third guest who's been sitting quite quietly as we've been talking. Claire Connolly is an award-winning freelance journalist who's written for numerous publications, including the Sydney Morning Herald, The Age, The Australian, Business Spectator, and PC Mag. Welcome, Claire. Hello. Hi. (laughs) So, as I said, the second half of this year... Lots and lots of women have been on this show. It's been fantastic. But of course, all of them have been referenced against a male voice. And I I can't change my sex. I have no desire to change my sex. It's who I am. But what I can do is I can announce now that I have invited Claire to join me to co-host. Fantastic. This week in Startups Australia. I just caught it as you were saying it. <laughs> Fantastic. Well done. That's great. Yes. Very and, exciting. Yeah. We're going to have lots of fun and maybe cause a little bit of trouble together next year. I'm, that, I'm very much looking forward to this because, I mean, again, unless it's you know, it has to begin at home. It can't just be me talking to women. It has to be women talking That's to right. women and men. I mean, there has to be, we have to be able to get to the point where it doesn't matter. We are not at that point yet. No, no, we're definitely <laughs> not at the point where it doesn't matter. 
Um, I think there might have been five minutes in the early 2000s where 50% of the population said, oh, yeah, we've reached equality, right? We don't need to keep trying. Turns out, yeah, no, not so much. So we purge ever forward, trying to make sure that we bring with us the values that we organize our lives around and we bring that into the workplace and we bring that into the podcast and we try our very best to set an example for the people around us and two heads are better than one i mean this is the thing you know at some level when i have my crisis in in april and i promise you claire i will probably call you and go oh my god i'm having my crisis what are we doing yeah you'll be like this is what we're doing and i'll be like excellent great why are we doing this i don't know mug let's have a sit down and talk about it right because i mean because that is the thing if this is a form if this isn't just my soapbox and admittedly sometimes i get to use it as a soapbox but if this isn't just my soapbox but this is a reflection of the community not just that we have but the community that we want to have then it seems Um, like this has got to be a thing i think it's it's really important that we constantly challenge our own unconscious bias so i'm really conscious for example i constantly remind myself that for example on twitter and mark you and i are Mm. twitter fanatics and and um i think about the list of people i think of as authorities and who i follow on if i went through my twitter list i can assure you that it would be more men a lot more men than women because Mm. they're just the people that have a profile who write a lot they tend to write a lot more have opinions that they write and um so that it's sort of constantly seeking out and sometimes as mike said sometimes you've got to push women to have opinions so last year i don't know if you remember last year just before the government's um innovation statement came Mm -hmm. out Mm -hmm. um i just thought i am going to end up complaining and bashing up journalists again because not enough women are going to comment and they're going to complain about not en- not enough representation of women in the media. So I said, well, screw that. I'm going to do something about that. So I actually put a list of about 15 or 20 women together. I briefed them. Yeah. Um, and then I sent that list to journalists Good. because I just thought I, 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 I just have to stop complaining and start doing stuff. Yeah. Um, so it's that kind of stuff that I think um, um, can make a difference too. I mean, we've been talking a lot about diversity in the workplace and, and making sure that we have equal gendered and cultural participation, but there's something I've been kind of thinking about over the last couple of years, but particularly this year, and this is a result of a number of conversations I've had with women of all ages in this industry, in tech, in entertainment, and the feeling that I get is that it's actually really tough out there and also that maybe things have gone backwards a little bit. Pre-GFC was a really exciting time, particularly for women between the ages of 20 and 35, Mm -hmm. because all of a sudden there were these new marketplaces and opportunities that were open to them that were never there before. You had these great, exciting offices with all of this money that was flushed into them that made you think that, you know, we're committed to something bigger than just creating a workplace. And then the floor fell out of the market and and all of that got stripped away and all of the middle management positions left and then all of the mid-level positions were left and then you're left with this dearth between extremely senior high-ranking people right. and juniors with no mentorship and no training right and and because the men got on the train early they were in when the middle fell away they were already in the top position yeah and so while we're thinking about bringing more women and more people of color and more people of ethnic backgrounds into tech yeah. and into the media and into entertainment and into every other domain that we can possibly fill them in yeah. I think we really need to think about 
what it's like for the people who are already working in your workplaces. Because I can tell you right now, and it's men and women, but I, I will say my conversations have largely been with women and it's really tough out there. You know, I, I spoke to a girl, you know, who had to work with someone who would say, oh, well, you're cranky, Charlie. Well, I'm going to use code names. You're cranky, Charlie. Or you're happy, Charlie, today. Or, oh, Charlie must have a Monday. You know, and things that you would never hear a manager say about a male yeah. worker. Um, you know, you've had women, casu- you know, myself personally, you know, I've been called hysterical on more than one occasion by people who were supposed to be responsible for my professional growth. Um, you know, you work for workplaces. I'm sorry I'm laughing. It's just horrible. <laughs> yeah, it's incredibly hard not to be demoralized. And I would like for this podcast to be, I don't know, something, something for everyone out there who's having a hard time, whether you're brown or white or yellow or male or female or somewhere in between. I think we really need to start nailing down and addressing not just what's happening in the week in startups, but the week in business. Because what is a startup other than then a company or a business in test mode? Because a startup is only a startup for a couple of years and it either fails and becomes a company or a business. And that's it. You know, you don't really have, you can't remain a startup forever. And I think the idea that you know, I, I, the idea that we would even call Atlassian a startup, for example, anymore, I think is probably... Well, we want to hold on to the myth that it's a startup. <laughs> yeah, it's important you know, to we... us to understand that and to be able to worship that kind of success, rightly or wrongly. But this is exactly why I want you on this show as a voice, because I think you're going to be a very powerful advocate for reminding us of this and keeping our eyes on the prize. What are the things we want to be? What are the things that we want to represent? And, you, you know, you've got to identify some of these um, maybe conflicting, I don't want to say agendas, but I, I can't think of a better word. You've got a company that has to look at for its bottom line. And you've got people that work within that company who are concerned about their careers and who are about their earning potential over a period of time and gaining more responsibility and making sure that you don't remain at one level yeah. forever. But, but at the same time, so we just had the immersive hack here two weekends ago, all right, which is all VR stuff. And I was lucky because I got to be a judge. But the folks who organized it were crowing because they had equal male and female participation really? and also extremely broad participation among all sorts of different ethnicities. It was amazing. And I didn't even sort of think about it. But I noticed when I came to this other pitching round, I was like, okay, there's a lot of women in the room. That was good. And then when people were busily working, it was really 50-50. And it's that sort of thing. If we can start with that, if we can promote that as a basis, then a business never has to worry about how do I execute this mid-course correction between being a startup and a business and be diverse at the same time. Because they never were not. I mean, I think, um, I mean, I got, I'm a Gen X senior and a lot of my peers are women who are company directors now who actually got to the t- close to the top and then opted out because it just, and I actually have some friends who did make it to the top and now company directors too. But my, I really, and number of women company directors has actually started to yes. go up. They put a lot of concentration yes. on that and it's really noticeable the difference. Yeah, but, and the Institute of Company yeah. Directors has been really right. good. Yeah, really. John Brogdon has made that again as a guy who said, this is my priority and he's been making it happen with a bunch of other great people too. But I really believe things will change when uh, women are starting businesses and having successful exits. And I think that having money is part of that picture. Um, I also think um, getting women hackathons and social ventures are the entry-level drug. Mm. 
for um, for startups. <laughs> yes. And in people who just never thought of themselves in that way coming through that world. And at TechFugees, for example, we had uh, quite a sort of senior Commonwealth Bank executive who'd never been to a ha- an external hackathon before, and she'd been to some internal ones which were sort of mildly interesting and once again you could just see her eyes pop i never knew this world existed um and the start and the 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 startup idea that they have has just gone bang they've created a business which is helping refugees straight away and this is i mean i guess i sort of want to close on this note this is where I guess this podcast can help if we can help open eyes up, if we can help show people. And, you know, part of what I did by also focusing on Dolphin Tank, which was an amazing, not just the companies were coming out of it, but the stories that the entrepreneurs were telling about their businesses, which are amazing businesses. And we'll probably have a few more of them on next year, but also around their journey that this is the thing that it seems to me if we can get enough of those stories into currency, then it just becomes, oh, yeah, of course. It doesn't become that's the exception. It becomes, oh, yeah. I think, Mark, if you, through your influence, could also try and persuade, and Claire, particularly you too, if you guys could persuade women to get out into the public, so come onto the podcast, but also to write, Mm. I think either blogging or writing opinion pieces, etc. Mm. It really raises a profile of um, female entrepreneurs as well. It makes them lead, it makes them leaders in the community too. So. But also don't be afraid to reach out. Yeah. You know, I get emails from girls from all over the country, like just with these absolute tales of woe. Like it actually it really it breaks my heart. I get quite emotional about it because I have had the privilege of working with some very, very competent and incredible women and who have no idea that they are because no one has ever told them. You know, these are women who are, you know, I had an email from a woman 10 years my senior the other day saying, I don't know what to do. I just, I just can't, but I, I want to keep going, but I'm exhausted. I just want to do my job. I just want to get paid. I just want to not feel like I have my heart in my throat when I go to work every morning. How am I supposed to break the glass ceiling when I can barely have a conversation with my manager? And I go... I don't know, <laughs> you know, but like, you know, Start I would like to, I would right. like to Start think that our conversations, you know, I, w- I want to be a source of strength for anyone who's listening and you don't have to blog, you don't have to have a Facebook page, you don't have to sit on Twitter to be a part of the conversation, but you do need to find a way to at least make what you do meaningful to yourself. And that means learning how to stand up for yourself, learning how to conflict manage, learning how to skill up when it may not be immediately Learning how to negotiate. All really of these important. things, really, really important. But also, you know, with all of this talk about diversity and, and with everything that's going on with the election right now, I think also it's exceptionally important for companies, but for all of us, we need to engage all people. And I think part of the frustration we feel in this election is that men feel isolated from women, women feel isolated from men. Everyone living in a democratic society feels threatened by outsiders. You know, you have all of these conflicting agendas. So while it's really important to bring women into the workplace, you need to nurture the people that are already there and to make sure that they're feeling comfortable with the rate of change. Because particularly in middle Australia, there are people who are struggling to make ends meet. You know, we say 25 years of unprecedented economic growth, but I don't think many middle income earners are seeing those benefits. So we need to remember all of these people and not just minority groups. We need to make sure that we have a holistic workplace that gives everyone equality of opportunity. 
And that is exactly <laughs> the right note to end 2016 on. Fantastic. Thank you, Nicole. Thank you, Claire. Always a pleasure. Thank you for Thanks inviting very much. me and on. Congratulations. Next year. Thanks for taking my little um, my little number and turning it into something really positive. It's it, it, uh, kudos to you, Mark, and kudos to all the other guys I mentioned today who who've actually said I'm going to actually make this my priority because it's when men and women work together, um, that's how we change things. <laughs> This is the first show that I've recorded since the surprising victory of Donald Trump in the American presidential election. And in the wake of that unexpected change, I've been talking to a lot of people and hearing a lot of uncertainty from them about what the future holds. Now, that matters to me for a bunch of reasons. First off, I'm a professional futurist, and I get worried when people stop believing in the future. Second, as someone who's deeply involved in the startup community, I worry that our economies are going to become even more risk adverse and they're going to close down the opportunity space that startups need to thrive. But finally, and this is this is most important, because we seem to be making some sort of collective decision about our future which doesn't reflect the realities of the world that we're living in. And rather than facing the truth, we're choosing to hide in our own comfortable delusions. Now, one of those delusions is that tech is a meritocracy, but we've learned by studying things in reality that it's almost always those fields that believe themselves to be the most meritocratic that are, in fact, the least. So we need to lose our illusions, and maybe that's the big lesson of 2016. Big thanks to Twister Sponsors Braintree because their support for this entire series has made this podcast possible. Thanks to Felix Hormuth and AnalogCabin.net for his hard work all through this year, creating a podcast that is consistently wonderful to listen to. Thanks to Nicole Hazel, Nicole Williamson, and Claire Connolly for making the time to come on our show. Claire and I will be back in February with Series 5 of This Week in Startups Australia. Until then, this is Claire Connolly thanking you for listening to This Week in Startups Australia.